Uh, we ready for war. Never back down. Give me some more. We came for the title. Killing the game. Welcome into their episode of Patrick Jones Baseball. On this week's episode, we have Cody Fick on the podcast. Cody is the director of pitching at P3. P3 stands for Premier Pitching Performance, which is a pitching facility based out of St. Louis, Missouri. In this episode, we talk about P3's background. We talk about Cody's background. Cody used to be a a college pitching coach and and talks about some of the challenges of being a a pitching coach in college and and versus having all of the, the resources that P3 has on the private sector and we also get into some of the, the things that P3 does when working with pitchers. So they they have pitchers who come to them in St. Louis, Missouri. They have a remote program where they work with pitchers around the country. And then they also have something, which is actually how I found out about them, where they, they have a program where they go to different colleges around the country and, and perform assessments on their pitchers. So I believe Cody said that they're currently with 12 different schools, and that's pretty much their cap because they want to make sure they have a, a high-quality service so they don't really want to take on any more colleges right now but I thought that was pretty neat too and and then we also get into some some more technical things when it comes to pitching and, and pitching development so appreciate Cody for for coming on the podcast today I'm always looking for a great guest to come on the podcast and and talk pitching talk hitting everything just exactly like Cody did today and, and this and you're going to hear in this episode so if you have somebody or recommend somebody who you think would be a good guest on on this podcast and and has some experience um, has worked with you know a lot of players high level players please send me an email jonesbaseballtraining at gmail.com always looking to learn and always looking to share information on this show so hope you enjoy this one with cody Fitt. This is the future, this is my time, I cry and shine. I put in the work and push the line. I'm holding my crown. I never back down. All right, we now welcome on to the podcast, Cody Fick. Cody, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Patrick. Uh, really excited to, to chat with you and and kind of, uh, you know, tell, tell P3's story or Premier Pitching Performance's story and uh, get to know you a little bit, too. Yeah, so I know before you were in the role that you're in now at P3, and, and we'll definitely dive into exactly what that is and, and things like that, but I, I saw you were at Evansville as a pitching coach there. Yeah. Transition from college to the private sector, pros, cons, like was it more so just tired of the lifestyle more than anything and, and just the recruiting? Yeah, so I, I think that's a, you know, there's a lot of different ways we can go with that that question. The first thing I'll say is like, as a college coach, I wish I had the information and the knowledge and uh, you know access to tools that I that I do uh, in the private sector. You know, five years ago when I came over to Premier Pitching and Performance, um, we were just kind of at the beginning of a little bit of that that uh, ball flight data wave. And, and things like that. Rapsodo was coming around. Uh, Trackman was coming around, and uh, we hadn't yet seen that stuff, uh, you know, at the mid-major college level a ton. Um, definitely was something that I wanted to get my hands on and, and become familiar with, and learn how you can use that information to help athletes improve. Use that information to identify uh, and evaluate athletes as well. Uh, but five years ago, you know, when I transitioned from college baseball to 
to the private sector. It was really on the heels of a, of a bad season, you know, and uh, my wife and I just had our first kid. St. Louis was uh, two hours closer to home. Uh, so uh, my kids were going to be able to see their grandparents more. Um, you know, and the interesting part about it is I first heard of premier pitching and performance in 2014. Um, we had an athlete that I was coaching at the University of Evansville's name's Forrest Herman, um, you know, who's now a double A pitching coach with the Baltimore Orioles. But uh, he was actually a guy that in 2014, um, you know, didn't make our roster coming out of the fall. And, um, you know, we, we had to, you know, trim the roster down to 35 guys at that time. And um, he was the the last guy that didn't make it. Uh, you know, obviously those are tough conversations, but he, he came back a year later and he was way better. Um, and, you know, that kind of, you know, spurned us to ask some questions, you know, Forrest, what, what have you been doing over the, the last year? And he told us about premier pitching and performance, um, Brian DeLunis, Josh Kiesel, and this program that they had uh, in the St. Louis area that blended uh, pitching development with the performance side uh, in the weight room and how he really dedicated himself to that over the past year and, you know, kind of reestablished himself as a guy that could help us at the division one level win a ball game. And um, so I made it a point to start uh, spending some time with Brian and Josh uh, as, as my schedule allowed, you know, learning from them just a little bit, you know, and seeing what they had going on. And they were thinking about things at that time a lot differently than, than most of us in terms of using, you know, weighted implements, the blending of, you know, the strength and conditioning side with the throwing side, uh, assessment-based training, things like that. Um, you know, and so fast forward 2018, uh, I'm looking for a job and uh, Forrest Herman is now uh, working at Premier Pitching Performance after his college career underneath Brian DeLunis. Um, Brian's about to take uh, a job with the Seattle Mariners as a uh, bullpen coach. And Brian uh, and Forrest asked me, like, hey, would you would you want to come back and, and work for us? So it was interesting, a kid that that we had actually you know, told, like, hey, like, you're not a fit for the roster right now. Uh, essentially became my boss four years later. Uh, and, and I had a lot to learn uh, from Forrest and, and this side of things, right? Just the, the access to information, the approach to it, um, you know, I think is, you know, what, what drew me to it, the opportunity to eat, sleep, and breathe it um, with all different age levels too, right? From, you know, a freshman in high school up to, you know, a, a big leaguer uh, and kind of see it. Um, you know, through all those different levels. So, you know, the things that I think draw you back to college baseball or, or being a pitching coach, you know, in the dugout is, you know, laser focused on 12 guys, you know, or 15 or 20 guys, right. Versus, you know, the, you know, systems that it takes to maybe deliver development to, you know, 60, 80 guys, you know, across different levels. You know, I think, um, you know, we've done a great job, um, uh, coaches that come into our facility, um, getting hired away to the college level or the professional level. Uh, and I always think that's one of the draws, right? You, you, you immerse yourself in premier pitching performance. Um, you get to eat, sleep and breathe it. Um, but you are responsible for, you know, more athletes than you would be just on a pitching staff. So the, to get to take those skills and really pour it into, you know, 
you know, 20 guys on a college pitching staff or, you know, a group of guys uh, at, a, at a certain level in professional baseball, um, I think is, you know, one of the main differences, um, you know, and kind of um, not that either is good or bad. It's just, uh, you know, you know, when you put on a hat uniform for a certain team uh, versus, you know, working in the private private sector, I think that's one of the main differences. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit of the story. Patrick, about how I got to P3, kind of, you know, the college coaching background. Um, you know, we've grown a lot since uh, 2018 when I came over here. Uh, I've grown a lot since 2013 when I got my first uh, college coaching job, uh, a fresh out of out of my playing career uh, coach who was young. And, you know, I thought back then, you know, if I could just get kids to compete like me, you know, like I was, a, I looked at myself as a, you know, the ultimate competitor, when the lights came on, you cross those lines, you play with a certain intensity, those type of things. But the reality is, like, not everybody operates at, at that level, right? And I think that's something that takes, um, you know, a little bit of time to understand and develop. Uh, you need a little more dirt in your spike, so to speak, to, to learn those lessons. And all this other information uh, that we have now at our fingertips helps you connect in different ways to different types of athletes to help them compete at their best uh, kind of, um, you know, temperature, so to speak. So a few things, I guess the the first thing to learn is, you know, you never know who you're coaching right now because they could turn out to uh, help you get a job later on down the road. Yeah. And then, um, you know, the, the other thing is when it comes to the, the, the private sector, I know you, you talked about how important systems are and things of that nature. And then, but also the, the, the technology and, and some of the things that you're learning there too. What's one thing that you've learned over the past five years that you, if you could go back, you would implement it and it would help, it would have helped you a lot as a pitching coach. Um, yeah. Understanding the individuals more, right. Like creating individual approaches to, you know, how to get hitters out. Like, and again, some of that's just my inexperience whenever I got into the coaching game. Right. But understanding, that, you know, there are, you know, different strengths that everybody has, right? And you have to play into those more than playing into, you know, you know, just like a, a certain philosophy, overarching philosophy, right? Um, get down to that individual level with guys, uh, I think is the big thing. So different, different type of movers, different type of, you know, pitch quality strengths, um, you know, all those things leading to, you know, what, what is this guy actually capable on the mound and making sure you're asking to do, asking him to do what he's capable. I think that's the biggest thing that, that I've learned uh, in the past five years since being over here. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways. That's what the assessment, right? You know, like what, what can this guy do? Um, you know, what are his tendencies? Um, you know, making sure that we don't make a suggestion that, you know, pulls him away from a strength. Um, you know, is it a mechanical thing? Is it a pitch selection thing? Is it a usage thing? Is it a strength and power thing? Right. And just prioritizing those things for the athletes and sending them down the right path and letting them, letting them flourish. Um, you know, that, those are the things that I think we get into now to just help each athlete be the best version of themselves, uh, instead of trying to fit in guys into, um, you know, one or two different type of molds, you know, like be an individual, be the best version of yourself. 
how do you go about finding out what a pitcher can and can't do? Like, how do you, how do you go about finding out if they can't get into certain positions? Is it, is it as simple as just a movement assessment or is it more in depth than that? Yeah, I think, you know, a movement screen helps. Uh, I think uh, ball flight data tells you uh, a little bit as well. I think the biomechanics piece tells you a little bit, you start to see uh, similarities against, you know, certain groups of guys that throw, good sliders, right? Guys that create good ride, guys that are sinker guys, right? Like they're different biases um, that that show up. And you kind of look at that and say, okay, like this guy may never be able to carry the fastball. Okay, that's okay. Let's lean into something else that he can do instead of chasing that uh, particular thing. And that's just an example. Or, you know, not everybody should throw a sweeper. Right. Some guys are just going to throw better gyro sliders, um, guys that are more pronation biased. And, you know, if I try to teach him a, a sweeper, it may take him away from that good carry fastball and, um, you know, depthy curveball that, that he already has. Right. That's something that I think it's our job to help athletes understand that one, because I think there's a lot of information out there that they'll go down and things come in and out of vogue that they get exposed to. And it's like, Hey, that may work for some guys, but let's see if that actually is a good route for you. Okay. So helping athletes develop a filter too, away from, you know, our facility to be able to, you know, digest information, I think is a part of, of what we do as well. So yeah, that assessment piece is, is huge in identifying, you know, what's a good, a good path for each guy. What are some of the things that stick out? Like you, I think you'd mentioned just just now that you know there's certain similarities for guys who throw you know sweepers versus you know have more right on the fastball. Like what what are some of those from like a physical standpoint? Yeah, uh, so like I mean, you just look at you know pronation supination bias. You know, like guys that really pronate are going to have a chance at higher spin efficiencies, be able to carry the ball, uh, you know, in the direction of their spin better. Um, where supination guys, you know, you're going to cut the fastball a little bit, but maybe be able to lean into that to, to throw the sweeper. Whereas, um, you know, those pronation guys may be easier just to, you know, shoot for, you know, a gyro slider that you throw hard and, you know, kind of split the difference between, you know, that and their, their curveball or something like that. Um, you know, those are just two, two examples. I think the other thing you look at, um, you know, you start to work from the plate backwards, right? Like what, what does their current arsenal look like? Okay. What mechanics create that, um, you know, things like stride direction, things like, um, you know, uh, you know, sequencing, uh, you know, and then go backwards to what are the underlying movement qualities that that athlete has in terms of access to range of motion? Um, you know, do they have hip ER, IR biases, um, is there restrictions anywhere that that maybe you need to be aware of? They tight, they loose, et cetera, like all those things. You try and piece it all together again to make sure you're not asking a guy to do something that he's just not going to be capable of or it's going to take away from one of his quote unquote superpowers maybe. How long of a process does that take you to uh, to figure all that out? Um. I mean, the assessment piece itself is, you know, an hour and a half to two hours where, you know, we're lucky we're using markerless motion capture. So we don't have to, um, you know, put the electrodes on the guys, uh, <laughs> you know, or, 
or whatever. Um, so that that piece, you know, as long as it takes them to warm up, get on their throw, um, you know, we get the data back in 24 hours. But uh, yeah, an hour and a half to two hours to take them through that assessment piece. Um, and then our coaches will will pour over that information, uh, sit down with the athlete, um, you know, create a, a little bit of a deliverable for them um, so that we can point them in the right direction. And, it, and it's different for different levels of athletes, right? Like based on training age, skill level, things like that. Um, you know, we can, you know, you don't need necessarily an in-depth uh, assessment to communicate with a 16 year old who weighs 155 pounds that, you know, Hey, like we gotta be doing the right things in the weight room. Um, you know, we've got to, you know, put on some mass, uh, make sure that we're blending that with a good throwing schedule to keep you healthy and, and we can get you better relatively easily. I think, I think the conversations, you know, that get into depth are more with your, your high level players that, uh, already have a track record of success that have gotten them to that level. Uh, and being really mindful, you know, with pitch uh, recommendations or, um, you know, movement, um, you know, strategies and things like that. How many guys are you working with right now? Um, so across the high school level, uh, we're probably at that, you know, in-house, I would say around 85 uh, uh, different athletes, uh, college level. You know, it, it's seasonal, um, you know, during the summer, it's going to be, you know, 85 to, to 100, you know, college athletes, pro guys, probably more around that 30 to 40 um, level right now. Um, you know, that's in-house remotely. Um, you know, I think across all levels, we're probably at around 100 guys or something like that. Um, you know, so when, when you're talking about, you know, delivering information and help at that level to that many athletes, I think you do have to rely on systems, right? Um, you know, that's where it starts with our assessment. Um, and then there's kind of a, a decision matrix that we'll, we'll work through to make sure we're making, you know, as good of decisions from the get-go for those athletes. And then through coaching and communication, you know, making adjustments as needed and not always being, you know, a slave to those initial decisions. Um, I think that's something that we've really done well over the last couple of years, developing those processes, um, you know, to be able to take an assessment, get to a conversation with an athlete um, where we're talking about the right things and then have what we've talked about show up in a development plan that then we can coach off of and work through. Um, you know, I think that's, that's key. Um, you know, and, and it's a two way street, right? Like, We've got to have input. The athlete's got to have input when you're dealing with a college athlete or a pro athlete or even, you know, some high school athletes, right? Their coaches and, and other people that are responsible for their development should have some input, um, you know, so it's bringing all that together, um, you know, so that a guy can work on the right stuff and, and move in a direction that he needs to. What do you feel like you guys do? exceptionally well from um, a pitching development standpoint remote training and just like all the above like usually that there's like one thing that you know different companies do extremely extremely well like what would you say your yours is i think we try to hang our hat on um taking objective data subjective uh observations blending those two and communicating it in a way that meets the athlete where they're at Right. I, I think that is probably what what we talk about a ton internally. 
okay, is, uh, okay, all of this data is really, really good. And it's great that it makes sense to us at a, at a coaching level, right? But how do you take that to a coach, to a player in a way that meets them where they're at, um, you know, with their verbiage, um, with their understanding of it uh, and teach, right? Like, I think that's where we try and, and hang our hat. Cause we, we've got this thing too, Patrick, that's uh, it's our college partnership program where we take biomechanics and our assessments and any, you know, number of different levels of services to different clubs. Right. Um, and, you know, all of those, all those organizations are at different places with it. Right. They know it's important. They value it. Right. But some of them have been doing it for a couple of years. And those conversations sound a little bit different than somebody that's just starting out with it and trying to implement it and find its spot for it inside their organization. So I think that's something that I think we do extremely well is taking that information and meeting people, um, you know, with it where they're at. Um, you know, something that I say to an athlete when they come to us year one, right? The first time athlete comes to us, that a lot of this first uh, initial, you know, sit down and digestion of the information is going to be me showing you a video and you talking me through what you see, right? Okay. And I'm going to get an understanding of where you're at with what you value, where your eyes go to. That helps me. Okay. And then I'm going to point you back to, you know, the different data points, the different things that we collect, meet you where you're at. Okay. Create, maybe enhance your value system a little bit with your delivery or your body, your physical attributes, et cetera. Okay. And then we're going to grow from there. And then I'm going to be interested to see where we're at the next time we do this. Okay. And continue to kind of uh, iron out like what actually matters and what doesn't. Okay. And help you create a connection with it so that whenever you go out and execute a program with us or on your own, right. That there's a deliberateness to it. Okay. That um, there's no, you know, mindless work getting put on you just working through a checklist of things that, uh, you know, we laid out in front of you. We want to create a connection there. So I think that's where we do a pretty good job. Okay. Of taking something that for most people, right. We're just in that progression of, you know, data biomechanics specifically, okay, where it's still kind of uh, a foreign language, right, for most people. Uh, and we want to be part of the, uh, you know, movement to get it into people's hands and help it make sense and be actionable. Um, and, you know, I think that's what we do pretty well. Yeah, that's actually one of the, I think, might have been the first time I had heard of you guys was when I saw, I think, UNC Charlotte tweet about it, um, that you guys were down there doing some assessment stuff on them. So, Sounds like the the college that that thing is pretty cool. What you guys go down and do the, all the assessments on? I mean, how many different how many different colleges are you guys working with and doing that with? Yeah, so we're we're at twelve colleges right now, which is pretty much the the most that we would do. Right again, to be able to to provide service and have open lines of communication, um, you know, for those uh, organizations, you know, twelve is a pretty good number. Um, you know, and it's varying degrees. Some some places we go down, we do a full comprehensive assessment, you know, and supplement that for their programs. Other places have pieces of, of assessments that that they like and trust. But we may just bring in uh, the biomechanics piece and, uh, you know, provide deliverable and consultation um, on that. 
Um, you know, it is a very cool piece of what we do um, because I think it, um, you know, for, for us, we're passionate about helping players, right? And we're aligning with, you know, college programs that want to give every resource to their pitchers to be able to be the best versions of themselves too. Um, so it really is a partnership in that sense where, you know, they can, they can look at their players and say, Hey, we're going to bring in some of the best tools, some of the best people, um, you know, provide you with some of the best information so that you can get better. Um, and that's really what it's all about. So, um, yeah, uh, I don't know how much, you know, those, those programs, what, want us sharing, you know, who we're working with or what some of them are pretty, uh, you know, social media uh driven and put that stuff out there and that's great we'll 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 definitely you know take the the love out there but some of them you know don't 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 go that way as well and and kind of want to just keep it keep it under wraps and uh you know us us just work with them kind of in uh uh anonymity i guess so is it a year long thing? Like I know you said 12 is kind of your max. Is that because throughout the entire year they have access to you guys? Yeah, so it's during it's during the school year. Okay. Uh, basically that fall to end of end of season time frame. Uh, and again, it's it's very custom for each each organization that we work work with, depending on what they what they need. Um we always say like we're not here to necessarily coach their players. We're here to supplement the needs of of their coaching staff, be an extension of that. Um, you know, and it, and it turns out to be a really good relationship where those those coaches um trust us. And so some of those players may come in over the summer and you know work with us um if they're not uh you know, going out and playing summer ball somewhere else. Uh, and it makes sense to, you know, train with us remotely or in house. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, that, that school year timeframe, uh, we, we go down to, to the campuses one or two times, uh, throughout the year, uh, provide deliverables and, and consulting services with them, uh, beyond those visits, um, you know, just about every day of the week. Um, we've got, you know, a couple of phone calls scheduled or Zoom scheduled with those coaches to go over the information, or maybe they, they've got a guy that they want to dive in deeper and, and see, you know, if there's some of the information that we've collected can help them, uh, you know, with maybe they've, you know, hit a roadblock with a guy or something, and they're just looking for a different set of eyes or a different way to leverage that information. Um, we do that. So, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Honestly, it's one of the, the funnest things that we do because it, it feels like, you know, whenever they get into the season, you can put a ball cap on and and root for a club. And uh, you know, we always we always joke like we're we're waiting for our first team to to get to Omaha that we work with. And um, you know, it's just cool, you know, for for our guys, for our culture to to kind of have those rooting interests and, and be like, yeah, we we played a small role. Like those those kids, those coaches, they put in the work, but you know, we play a small role in, in what they're trying to build. What about uh, when it comes to assessing pitchers who are tall versus short? Like, is there any advantage at all? And maybe this is even diving more into the recruiting standpoint too, because we all have biases and when it comes to different types of pitchers, is there any advantage from what you've seen? Like, it, does it really matter a whole lot when you get to college, how tall a pitcher is? Yeah, I, I, I think it can, right? I, again, taking that, plate backwards approach like what you know ball velocity um 
movement characteristics, um, approach angles, um, things like that. Like we're, we're looking for outliers, right? Mm-hmm. And that can come in the form of tall guys. Sometimes it comes in the form of, of short guys. Um, you know, we look at that whenever we make mechanical suggestions as well. Like, hey, like if we make this adjustment, is it going to take away from one of their superpowers in terms of, you know, release extension, release height, vertical approach uh, of, you know, the baseball coming into the hitting zone um, because everything is related, right? So, yeah, like tall guys can create higher release points, or maybe, you know, uh, you know, more extension if they can move a certain way, right? It, it's probably a little bit short-sighted just to say tall or short, um, probably need to look a little bit deeper into what's happening as far as ball release, vertical approach, ancient approach angles, um, their mechanics that create those things. And if there's anything you can do to kind of amplify, you know, their height or take advantage of, you know, being short, so to speak, um, definitely don't look at it. You know, short guys can be successful. Tall guys can be successful. Not all short guys are not all tall guys are either. Would you say that majority though are at least a certain height, or and then there's some outliers on one yeah, end? I think when you look at uh, you know rosters, uh, definitely taller. You know, and I think um, when you look at the major leagues, right, a lot of tall pitchers for sure. Um, I think there's you have to investigate everything because there could be hidden value you know, with a short guy. Now it takes extra work to find that. Right. And it may just be as simple, you know, some people may just say, Hey, like it's easier just to, you know, use six, two as my cutoff and go from there. Right. But again, if you're, you're looking at it from maybe a a school or organization that doesn't have the luxury of only recruiting six, two guys, right. You may have to try and find hidden value, um, you know, with somebody that's, you know, six foot or five ten, and you know, you know, can carry it with a low release, um, good velocity, and a flat vertical approach. And you know, maybe you can, you know, become a guy dominant at the top of the zone. Um, you know, in that way. Um, again, there's so many factors that go into it. Um, and again, you, you're just trying to find find value somewhere. So uh, just kind of depends on your strategy, I guess, from a recruiting and, and evaluation standpoint. Um, what, what would your strategy be if you were going back as a, as a pitching coach now? Yeah. Look at the, look at the stuff first, right? Like what kind of stuff does he currently have? And is there something there that I can, you know, maybe develop or, or enhance, uh, with that current arsenal? Um, you want guys that are closer to, um, you know, the, their, their ceiling, I guess. Um, because in today's recruiting world, right, like it, it's very much a, a win quickly situation for most places, um, you know, so any adjustments I want to make, I want to be able to make them, you know, fairly quickly to see return on that for the athlete. I think the athletes want that too. Um, and it kind of depends what level you're at too. Like if you're talking junior college versus uh, mid-major versus high level division one, like what type of athletes um, are you able to, you know, get and, uh, you know, how much time are you going to be able to spend with them uh, to get there? Um, so for me, simply put, look at stuff like what creates swing and miss, 
you know um i i want to limit balls in play i want to limit damage um you know what pitch qualities um are able to you know do those things um and then work work from there i mean it's kind of that's an oversimplified approach but i, I think it's the easiest one that we can kind of build off of um you know maybe there's a guy that's not doing something that if i can teach him to do it um you know, I've got some, some value that maybe isn't seen on the recruiting trail, you know, and, and that's always an advantage as well. Yeah. Isn't that crazy that, you know, I know you just mentioned that, uh, you know, you want your, my probably would be looking for guys closer to their ceiling just because of the, the win now, um, mm -hmm. which I mean, I, I definitely understand that it's kind of, it's interesting though, because nor or at least it seems in years past, it was all about, you know, project being projectable and all this and that. And it seems like now it's you want guys who are filled out more and just ready to go in and, and roll right away. Yeah. And the recruiting landscape has has changed a lot. Um, because there's a lot of known commodities that uh, you know, hit the portal and you can make a an evaluation of how quickly is that gonna guy gonna help me versus you know, uh, an 18 year old kid, um, who's maybe, you know, I'm not here to debate whether that's, you know, the right way to do it or not, as far as, you know, uh, getting, getting guys that are good right now versus guys that could be good in two years, right? Because there's plenty of 18 year old kids that are going to be good. You know, there's plenty of 16 year old kids out there that are going to be good. Um, but when it comes to, you know, just a more sure thing. Like sometimes that, that guy that's got a track record at that level already makes more sense to, to kind of go after, uh, I suppose. Um, luckily I don't have to deal with that much in my role right now. You know, I get those questions from high school kids all the time. Like, what do I have to do to, to be recruited? I'm like, it's a tough world out there, right? Like you have to keep getting better and you have to understand what that path looks like. Um, oftentimes, it starts in the weight room for, for those high school athletes, um, making sure that um, they're as strong and as explosive, as powerful as they can be, um, you know, and then they've got to go out and oftentimes be the best player on the field uh, when it comes to a high school baseball game. You know, if you want to play at those highest, highest levels of college baseball, like that's what it takes. And if, if you're not sure if you're the best player out on the field, that means we've got a lot of work to do, you know, and, and um, again, I hate to oversimplify it like that, because I think if you want to play college baseball bad enough, right, there's a spot for you uh, at a lot of different levels. You just have to be willing to put in the work and be willing to go explore those levels. Um, and, and I talk to our high school guys all the time. It's about extending the runway, right? If you're a 16 year old kid, Okay, you've got a couple years of runway here in high school to figure out where you're going to land as far as college go. And that could be a number of different levels. But once you get there, you've extended the runway. Okay, what are you going to do with your time then? Uh, you're not a finished product once you get to college. Uh, so keep, keep extending that runway. You know, professional baseball players come from all different levels. Um, you know, and it's just because guys are different spots in their development um, when they do extend that runway. Um, so that's that's kind of the message that that we tell our guys uh, that that we work with, and uh, you know they just you have to understand that not everybody's going to go play at the highest level of college baseball. Um, not everybody's destined to be a, a big leaguer either. It's about the work. It's about the the journey. It's about 
doing what you're supposed to do uh, to get the most out of your your abilities. So, Cody, I know you know we've we've been talking a lot about biomechanics and doing some of those assessments and some of the things you guys do. Do you guys do anything on the the mental side of of the game as well and help guys with that? Uh, we we don't right now formally, right? I think you know the people that we've hired um, definitely come with a background of helping guys across all levels. We've got a coach in our facility, uh, Jason Imicus, who comes with 20 years of college coaching um, experience. Um, you know, he's got the most dirt in his spikes out of all of us. Um, you know, he's he's seen it at, uh, you know, some of the highest levels of junior college baseball, Division II baseball. Um, you know, he's coached players of all ability levels and, and is able to, to help guys, you know, kind of navigate those uh, ups and downs that come with development that come with uh, a hard game, uh, you know, that, that we all love baseball. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, I find ourselves a lot of times when it comes to the in-season stuff, right. We, we kind of joke about this, but we become almost dime store psychologists, right. Like where it's like, Hey, like, you know, what are we doing? You know, like, what are we doing to prepare? Okay. How, how are our, you know, day in, day out routines? How's our preparation? Are we confident when we take the ball? Um, what's our in-game uh, kind of emotional temperature look like? What's our best uh, kind of energy level to, you know, go out there and compete with? How's that look? Um, you know, and those conversations take us, you know, in a lot of different ways. You know, we, we tell guys all the time, like at, after an outing, there's, there's three ways we can we can look at this and kind of self-evaluate, right? Like the physical side, like how did we prepare? Okay. Um, you know, the statistical side, like how did we execute? Uh, the mental side is how did we handle things that are and aren't in our control over the course of an outing, a week, et cetera. We can't control the umpire. We can't control the weather. We can't control if the shortstop, you know, kicks one, all of those things. So, like walking guys through those three different ways to self-evaluate and making sure that we're actually focused on the right things when it comes to performance, right? Was it an execution thing? Was it a physical preparedness thing? Was it, you know, that mental side of things? And and then we can get into strategies on how to improve, you know, um, versus wasting time on something that we're actually doing okay at, right? And neglecting one of those other areas that, that just need a little more attention, um, you know, at the current moment. What are some pitchers that you like watching at the big league level? Oh, man. Uh, good question. Uh, we're in St. Louis. I'm a Cardinals guy. Uh, so Adam Wainwright, uh, for the longest time, was a guy that, one, at, at his peak, was uh, a really dominant pitcher, right? Um, ability to control the strike sound, how to outlier breaking ball, um, you know, ability to, you know, you know kind of control a game you know, from start to finish. Um, but then honestly, one of the most impressive things was watching that guy when he wasn't at his best um, and how he continued to battle, compete, handle himself with the media, his teammates, the fan base, all of those things. I think uh, a lot of clues left behind on what a true prof professional looks like when he's at his best and when he's, you know, you know, kind of uh, a different version of himself at the, at the end of his career. So to be able to see that, you know, as a fan and, and so at times up close and personal in St. Louis, 
uh, I think a lot of things to to learn there. You know, and then see him go over in the booth and and talk about the difference between a sweeper and a slider during the playoffs here, and you know, be able to take that to to fans. Um, you know, at the end of I think it was two seasons ago, and he talked about how they finally got to you know some of the mechanical things that had happened with them, and you know, with with decline of performance. So like, and a guy that started his career a long time ago continued to evolve. Uh, compete, um, use his strengths, be able to talk about pitch design, you know, is what we would call it. Be able to talk about biomechanics is what we would call it, right? And still be a professional, um, you know, through good and bad, um, you know, performance. So that's somebody that that absolutely uh, have a ton of respect for just watching, um, you know, as a young baseball fan, you know, all the way through the, through the end of his career, you know, other guys that are kind of at the the peak right now, obviously, you know, guys that come out and are Cy Young contenders, the the Blake Snells, who, you know, make a, a huge argument for, hey, stuff is really important because I, I think I just read a stat uh, earlier today, walk 99 guys or something like that, but only 12 of them came around to score or something. You know, it's like, wow. It's like, okay, like the stuff is obviously really good. You can make an argument like, you know, a lot of walks that, that he had to deal with, but had the stuff to pitch around it, you know, so it's like more than one way uh, to be a really successful pitcher. Um, it's about knowing yourself. It's about knowing how you're going to get out and making sure that you've got at least the baseline stuff to get hitters out at the level that, that you're at, um, you know, so guys like that enjoy watching, you know, obviously the, uh, you know, Max Scherzer's who are super competitors, you you know, the Garrett Coles with super, super stuff. Um, you know, we can learn a lot from from those guys. Those are starters. Uh, I love turning on the playoff playoff TV and, and watching relievers that maybe aren't in, in our market that, uh, you know, all of a sudden you see them like, wow, these guys are really, really special too. Um, you know, the, the Merrill Kelly story. Um, you know, it was really cool to to see his perseverance and his journey to to be pitching, um, you know, in the big leagues, be a Cy Young uh, candidate and things like that. Uh, you know, there's that that fan piece of it. There's the pitching coach piece of it. There's the how can you use those guys to help your your athletes piece of it. Um, definitely a, a big fan of of all of those guys. Awesome. Well, Cody, I appreciate you coming on today. It's been a lot of fun just learning more about you guys. Like I said earlier, I've seen you guys a little bit on just social media, but not, you know, not a ton. And I'm glad we got to connect and get the word out there a little bit more. Where can people go and, and find more information out about P3? Yeah, so our, our website, premierpitching.com, uh, has a lot of our story on there. Um, on X, our Twitter handle is at Premier Pitching. Uh, same on Instagram, at Premier Pitching. Those are our main social media accounts. Um, you can follow along with uh, some of the content we put out, um, some of our athlete highlights, um, you know, of athletes that are working with us. Um, you know, most of all, I, I'd say uh, get to know our people, you know, uh, hopefully through platforms like yours. Um, we're trying to get the word out there. Um, the people is what make this place um, really, really special. Um, you know, not just our current people, that, but people that that helped build it and came before us as well. Um, we're very proud of what we do, and, and we'll continue on in our journey of trying to help um, athletes um, 
So thanks for having me on, Patrick. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed getting to know you. Um, you've got a great platform here, and we're we're very happy that we were able to to be on it. Thanks. 